0: There was a little girl called Agnes. She was only tiny, but she loved Jesus and she wanted to serve him. When she was 18 years old, she left her home in Albania and went to India to serve God. And she ended up for the rest of her life cleaning the sores of lepers of clothing the naked, of caring for those with no-one to support them, of looking after the vulnerable and discarded of society, of feeding those who are hungry. She died aged 86 in 1997, having done that for all of her life in the city of Calcutta. We know her, and she's known the world over as Mother Teresa. A great example of serving the poor and people noticing Jesus. She said this in an interview with Time magazine. I don't claim anything of the work. It is his work. I am like a pencil in his hand. That is all. He does the thinking. He does the writing. The pencil has nothing to do with it. Such is her humility. I've entitled our talk, and you'll see it on the front page of the little handout, The cross and our calling. Cross and calling. Cross because I feel that with Jesus washing his disciples' feet, he was pointing them to the cross. It was still to come for them. We now look back because it has happened. But it's also about our calling, our calling to serve like Jesus served. That's what we're going to look at. And I think this passage, if we think of it just about serving one another, then we've missed something. Jesus washing his disciples' feet is pointing to the cross, pointing to his life given up for them by crucifixion and all that that meant, being buried and then raising to life again. Let me just highlight why I think that. Firstly, because verse 1 in our passage says that Jesus so loved his disciples, but now he wanted to show them the full extent of his love. He wanted to take them on a journey now to kind of crescendo to the pinnacle of his love. He wanted to demonstrate its enormity to them. And then the passage carries on, as we've read, to washing the disciples' feet. So surely that was part of it. But it's only the beginning part of it. The rest of John from 13 onwards is firstly five chapters about the dialogue and detail of the Lord's Supper. You don't get it in Matthew, Mark and Luke, but John gives us so much more. And then we get the the end, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And it's that, that's the pinnacle. And somehow the washing of the feet was pointing forward to that. And somehow they would understand that by looking back to the washing of their feet. The full extent of his love. Jesus told his disciples that they wouldn't fully understand what he's doing right now. He wanted them desperately to understand. That's why when he sat down, you had it in one of your questions. He asked them, do you understand what I'm doing? And you would have thought, what was a strange question? Yeah, you washed my feet, Jesus. They were dirty, now they're clean. Thank you. No, no, no. No, Do you understand what I'm doing? In fact, when he was dialoguing with Peter, who resisted a couple of times, and no, I no, don't wash my feet, he said to Peter, you don't realize what I'm doing, but you will understand later. He said that in verse 7. You don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. So there was something beyond just the immediate that he was trying to illustrate. Washing their feet, clearly then, was something physical, but symbolic of something spiritual. I just want to read verses 8 to 11 again to you to highlight that. It comes out in the conversation with Peter. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. He's always so enthusiastic, isn't he, when he has got it. (laughs) <laughs> well okay one minute he didn't want anything washed and now he wants to kind of anyway Jesus answered those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet their whole body is clean and you are clean though not Every one of you. So he's using the feet washing as an illustration, as a picture of a spiritual truth and a spiritual reality. While he was cleaning them on the outside, he was really talking to them about being clean on the inside. You see, he said to Peter, "Um, if, if you're not clean on the inside, he's referring, you've no part of me. Okay, well, surely if, I'm, if my feet aren't washed then I've just got dirty feet. No, no, you've got no part of me. That's a spiritual thing he's talking about. He, he went to all of the disciples, we have to assume from this passage, including Judas, and he washed Judas's feet. Don't know how you wash feet, I've just done that little action. Maybe that is that how you wash feet? I've done it only a couple of times. Well, I do clean my own feet every now and then. Well it can't well, uh, yeah, but a little bit of that. And it, uh, But he said, you are clean, but not every one of you. Well, hold on a minute. You just cleaned everybody's feet. No, but one of you isn't clean. Because he's talking about the inside. You see, in those days, feet, I I guess, got very dirty. Dirty. I guess the roads were muddier, there were more animals about town. I guess their shoes were a bit more like our flip-flops than our big bother boots today. So although we don't go out and you know, tread in much other than what might a dog leave behind, you know, they, may, they may have had other things on their feet. So it would have been common if they had slaves or servants for the feet to be washed by the slave or the servant of the household. A bit like we might take off our shoes as we go to somebody's house. Although, what if you got back to the door and your big, dirty kind of walking boots had been polished up and the toothbrush had gone round all the grooves. I was doing that with my walking boots the other day and they were polished up. That may be something of the equivalent for us. But he was talking about the inside. Jesus switched his metaphors. He started talking about a bath. Oh, I thought you were washing feet. Now he's talking about a bath. So he was using water more illustratively about something internal, a special bath you only need to have once in your lifetime. Wow, that that sounds great. I did have a bath the other day. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and uh, well, I thought I was going to meet you. You know, I thought you know it's Mother's Day, and I had the candles out and oh, the steam was going. Oh, it's beautiful. Why don't I do this more? This is brilliant. Oh, yeah, this is lovely. Yeah, is that too much information? And. Uh, what if you could just have one bath and then you were clean for the rest of your life? That sounds like, it sounds like maybe they've stitched Teflon into your skin or something and you're, you remain clean. Well, it doesn't exist, does it? He's not talking about that kind of bath. Lads, you're going to have to have a shower again. Yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things. And so he's talking about something spiritual. He's talking about the inside. And we mustn't miss the challenge of this passage. Are you clean? Are you? Are you clean? And I mean spiritually clean. I mean, are you clean on the inside? What I'm talking about, what makes us dirty on the inside? It's sin. The things we do say think wrong, the the things that have taken us away from God's plan and design, our disrespect, our disregard for our creator, and all those things. Jesus, see why this is pointing forward to the cross is that's what Jesus was going to do in a matter of moments, days from this occasion. He was going to go to the cross and take all that dirt onto himself, yours and mine and everybody's. And take the punishment we deserve for it. And die in our place for it. And receive the anger of God for it. He was God. And he rose again to life. And he's now able to give you clean hearts. Forgiveness. As you turn to Jesus. As you repent of your sin. As you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the once for all bath that you need on the inside. That's the difference between Peter and Judas here. It's humbling to allow Jesus to forgive you. I think it's easy to be quite critical of Peter resisting Jesus' offer of a foot wash. But, you know, I think Peter possibly had the best idea who it was who was washing his feet. It was Peter, was it not, who was the first to declare, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. He got it first and said it. And now this son of the living God is washing my feet. I think he understood the the, the shock of it. You know, repenting, putting your faith in the risen Jesus is a humbling experience. The free offer that Jesus has of clean hearts, of forgiveness, of eternal life is just that. It's a free gift, it's grace to you. you don't deserve it. Yet, it is meant to cost, it's meant to hurt. I think I would be a bit like Peter. No. Can I? You need to open your heart. You need to expose the sin to Jesus. With all its guilt and shame to let him wipe it away. That's a humbling thing to do. Maybe this was Peter's resistance. It hurts when you're saying, Jesus is Lord. I'm going to follow Jesus now because you're also saying, I'm not following my own way anymore. My pride is being hurt. My ambition, my self-sufficiency is dying. So I can receive this gift, this life, this cleanliness that Jesus is offering. I think it's humbling to allow Jesus to forgive us. But it's nothing compared to the humility that Jesus went through by his choice at the cross for you. Now, I'd probably be a bit hesitant just because it's feet, you know what I mean? Aside from everything else. I don't, I don't like feet. Are you with me or are you with the others? I, I don't know. I just Maybe it's because my feet are ugly. Yeah, I'm, no, it's probably true, isn't it? And so I, I'm... No one's nodding over. Oh, no, 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 I will look at you. No, no, you can... I mean, they do get sweaty as well, don't they? Feet. Oh, yeah. You don't want to put your sweaty feet in. No, anyway. Toe jam and all that kind of stuff. But no, you know, like most people's toes, they kind of got nice tapered, do not they? Big toe, medium-sized toe, little toe, little, little toe. I've got like battlements. You know, you, got, you don't know which one's going to be bigger than the other one. It's like, you know, which one. Anyway, you don't want to know. No, you don't need to see your feet. Anyway, let's look at our calling. We are called as believers in Jesus to serve. There are three things I would suggest to you that, as a believer, we're called to do. We're called to worship, we're called to witness, and we're called to serve. Three things we are already called to do. You might be asking, Lord, what do you want of my life? What are you calling me to? It's great hearing about Josie and her call to go to Berlin and be involved in church planning. But what is it for me? Well, I think for all of us, Josie included, our call is this. It is to worship and to witness and to serve. And serve is up there with the others of equal priority. And then any any more specifics we might get from God, and I pray you get more specifics at time, in seasons, or maybe for the rest of your life, like Mother Teresa did, then it's simply God's guidance about where and how you're to be a worshipper and a witness and a servant. You don't graduate from those things. They're not the kind of doorway in. No, no. They're not just a context for doing those very same things. Ephesians 4, I've got it in your notes, tells us that Jesus gave different gifts across the church. Why? To prepare God's people for works of service. Works of service. Our whole discipleship it's about growing as servants, being better prepared, better able to serve as God wants us to serve. It's there. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit throughout the church are there that we might serve better in the world and in the church. We're putting on these 40 days of discipleship, these great tracks. You might think you're going because you want to know more about the Holy Spirit or prayer or the Bible or time and money management. But really, it's all about being prepared to serve. That's our discipleship journey. And we serve God, and we serve God by serving others. I was struck last week when Dale looked at Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 3 that Peter described it like this that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, had glorified his servant Jesus. So first up, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. We know that, but who was he serving? He was serving God. He was God the Father's servant. On another occasion with the disciples, they were arguing amongst themselves, who's the greatest? Who's the best disciple? Ever have those arguments? Siblings, do you have that argument? Who's the best? Who's the favorite? Even the the, the twins, they got their mum involved. Can you imagine? My son. Um, Anyway, Jesus said, whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Whoever wants to be great must be your servant. Just as the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus, on the one hand, he was serving God. Number one, foremost, only, he was serving God. Yet that led him to give his life as a ransom. He served us, he served the many by serving God. He served God and that led him to serve others. And that's the model. That's the model we must follow. We're called to serve God and we end up serving people because we're serving God. I heard a a rather, I read a very heartwarming story the other week in the paper. It's about a guy called Dean Moore. Dean Moore was driving along and he noticed a couple on the side of the road and their their car was kaput, it was broken, it had been been in a minor accident. So he stopped and chatted to them. It was a couple called Ron and Charlene Giles and they were on their way to uh, see Ron's mum who was close to dying. So Dean offered them a lift and he went 400 miles out of his way to drop them off. He used the loo, and he went home again. He dropped them off, and they were so grateful. It was right up in the paper. I thought it was quite interesting. And he said to the interviewer, well, I did what any decent human would have done in that situation, which is wonderful, isn't it? And there's so much decent humanity around. We don't always focus on it, but there's a lot going on that people are doing to serve one another just by being a decent person. How much more for those of us who are motivated to serve God. How many more miles will we go because we're motivated beyond just human decency to serve a God who has transformed us through Jesus, the servant king? You see, we can't serve God without serving people, I would suggest. And if our serving God doesn't lead itself to serving others, then I think what Jesus warns us at the end of this passage, we're claiming superiority over Jesus. We're in effect saying, oh, we're the master, we're the sender, rather than saying, no, 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 we're the servant. We're the messenger. Secondly, I want to highlight to you that we serve from a position of security. Jesus was the most secure person ever. Yet that was why he served I know question three was really hard, those three things that Jesus knew. But John, is really interesting what John has put in here about what was going on in Jesus' head. He knew who he was. He knew who he belonged to. He knew where he was from. He knew where he was going. He was secure in who he was. He was secure because he knew the Father's plan. He was secure because he knew the pain to come, but that it would be temporary. He, he, he knew the betrayal was on its way. He knew, however, that he was powerful. He was the all-powerful one. Verse 4, so he got up from the meal, and he took off his outer clothes, and he wrapped the towel around his waist, he got the basin of water, and he washed their feet. That word so, at the beginning of verse 4, has just undone me over the last few weeks looking at this. From his position of complete security, so He served. So he did the menial job that everyone else had ignored. Everyone else could see he needed doing, and he did it. Because he knew his true identity. So really, where does that end, uh, end us? With this question, how does God want you to serve him? There are all sorts of different applications for this. I'm not going to be exhaustive by any means, but just a few suggestions. Families are called to serve God. When challenging the Israelites, Joshua said to them, as for me and my house, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And as those of you with children, as you're building family life, yes, make it your objective over these 20, 25 years of doing so to put servanthood right in the core of your value system as a family. What can you do to do that? But it's no good just looking at how can we be decent to one another, but how can we help our family grow to serve the Lord? And then everything will flow from their Husbands, let me talk to you. You're called to serve. Ephesians 5.25, it instructs us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And then went on to use some very practical servant like verbs in the following passage. I won't go through it all, but let me just pick out the verbs to illustrate what he means. This is how Christ loved the church. Cleaning. Washing feeding caring. That's how Christ loved the church. And there's something of that that should echo in the way we are husbands. Employees, if you work, you you are an employee, you are called to serve. Our whole approach, our whole attitude to work is upended when we understand this. When we understand what this foot washing moment was about. It elevates the most menial, the lowest paid job around to something that is kingdom activity. And it humbles the most high status, the most over paid jobs in our world to humble service when we've got this the right way round. It says in Ephesians 6, to obey our boss. Obey your boss. Not just to win their favour, not just to get a good review and a performance thing and the whole you know pay scale. Not just for that. Not even when their eye isn't on you, when they're not looking. Also, serve them. But as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as you are serving the Lord, not people. And leaders, leaders are called to serve. The very word deacon that the New Testament uses for leadership in the church means servant or messenger. The very words that Jesus referred to here. Churches are told, pick your leaders from your servers. Because there's a clue there as to what they're going to be about. The reference there to 1 Timothy 3.13 says about leaders, those who have served well, gain an excellent standing and a great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. The objective of leadership is to serve well. Not to look good, not to be clever, not to uh, lead well, but to serve well. That is what it's about. It's the, the other side of the same coin. I know in the world there's a rush to the top, but in the kingdom of God there should be a rush to the bottom. Okay, we're going to finish now, but I've got one more task for you to do. And on your table, you'll find another piece of paper that has yet to be scribbled on, I trust. This is a serving coupon. (laughs) And uh, this is for you to fill in, and you can either keep it to yourself as a reminder, or you can give it to somebody for them to redeem from you on a future occasion. And you'll see some inspiration. There's an A4 sheet with lots of colourful text on it. Children and others, if you're looking for ideas, you might want to start there. And it could be in your family. It could be your spouse. It could be in the workplace. It could be within the teams that you serve in within the life of this church. But I would just love, just for a moment, just for a, to end with a bit of silence. And for each of us to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, from what we've looked at this morning, how do you want me to serve? And it may be something you're already doing, it may be something new, it may be a one-off thing, or it may be an ongoing thing. So just in the last minute, we'll have silence. It's you and the Holy Spirit asking how he wants you to serve. And then I'll close.